Habakkuk chapter 3. If you were with us this weekend at our weekend services, you know we looked at Habakkuk chapters 1 and 2, and we saw this um, prophet by the name of Habakkuk, whose name means wrestler, and we saw him wrestling with God's way. The conditions in his society and amongst the nation were very, very bad. The nation was growing just more wicked by the year. Injustice was rampant. And Habakkuk had been praying about these conditions for a long time. And he was praying and praying and praying, and there was no answer. And there was no change. In fact, um, in verse uh, one of chapter one, he cries out, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear, even cry out to you? And we noted that that second word cry was literally scream. Lord, how long do I have to scream violence? There's so much violence here, Lord, and you will not save. Habakkuk was saying to the Lord, you need to do something. Bring revival. Do something, Lord, in, in our nation and uh, God answered and said, I am listening, and I am doing something, but you're not going to like it. Because what God told Habakkuk was that he was sending a nation that was more wicked than Judah, the Babylonians, to be the rod of correction for his people. And when Habakkuk heard that, he was like, what? How? That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem like you. That doesn't make sense. You know, you should be judging them and not judging us. They're more wicked than we are. And so Habakkuk is wrestling in chapter one. And then in chapter two, he goes to his prayer spot. He goes to his prayer tower to wait and to watch as he waits upon the Lord. And God reveals three things to him. And we noted this on Sunday. First of all, God reveals to him that he's fair and that all he's going to use the Babylonians as a rod of correction. He was also going to eventually punish them and destroy them because he was a fair God. And the second thing he wanted Habakkuk to know was I'm still on the throne. Don't worry, I am still on the throne and there's a day coming when I'm coming in my glory and my glory is going to be revealed. But in the meantime, Habakkuk, you and everybody else that, that believes in me needs to live by faith. The just will live by faith or those who believe in me will live like it. So in those two chapters, we see the prophet moving from wrestling to waiting. He moves from wrestling with God's way to eventually embracing God's will. He moves from walking by sight to being a person living by faith. And that's something that all of us you know, need to be growing in in our relationship with the Lord. He moves from wrestling and watching in chapters 1 and 2 to worshiping in chapter 3. And worship is the response to God's revelation. God gives him this vision, and this is how he responds. It was the great preacher... G. Campbell Morgan, who once said, our joy is in proportion to our trust, and our trust is in proportion to our knowledge of God. And as he gets this understanding of God's heart and God's way, the response that he has is joy, that response in worship. And so chapter three is a song. 
that is broken into four stanzas, and the four stanzas are separated by the word selah. We see that often in the Psalms. And the word selah simply means to pause and to consider, or to pause and respond. And so that's exactly what we're going to do tonight in our time together, is that we're going to look at each one of these stanzas, and then afterwards we're going to pause. We're going to respond. We're going to look at what it says, at what God's speaking to our hearts, and then we're going to respond to it in worship, in prayer, in reflection, and in waiting upon the Lord. So beginning in chapter 3, verse 1, he says this, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet on Shigenoth. And now Shigenoth is, is a, a song that is set to lively music, is the, the idea. Okay, So it's a song that is set to lively music. And he says, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid, O Lord. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. So here's what happens. The prophet begins his song by crying, revive your work in the midst of the years. He's crying out saying, Lord, let your work live. Revive it. Bring it back to life. Now, I think all of us can think of maybe something, and I want you to think about this tonight. I think this is one of the things the Lord would have us to consider is is something in your life, something in your walk that you look at and think personally, Lord, revive that. Lord, I remember when, when that was just such a, a passionate thing in my life and you were doing this in my life. Lord, revive that. Revive that word. Let it live. Bring it forth. But not just personally. I think that's something that we can also you know, pray and long for corporately. As a body, as we can look and see and, and reflect on times when we felt and sensed God's you know, move in just a powerful way and just that heart to say, Lord, revive that. Lord, do that again. I know I, I sense that in my heart, but not just personally, not just but corporately as a church body, but also nationally. As we look at our nation and we, we, we see, we recognize, Lord, there was a day, there was a time when, when you were moving and working and our nation was just passionate. Lord, revive that. Let that live once again. And so Habakkuk is crying out, but he recognizes because God has given him this vision in chapters 1 and 2. He understands that the nation needs to be judged. And so he cries out and says, Lord, in wrath, remember mercy. And he's acknowledging that he knows that the Lord, that he is just and true in all of his ways. He's merciful. He's a a God that is holy, and he's a God that is love, and the two are not separate. They are mended together. In fact, did you know the song in heaven According to Revelation chapter 15, verse 3, in the midst of the tribulation time, when God is pouring out his wrath on mankind, it's a heavy time that the Bible says, unless those days were shortened, no one would survive. The song in heaven during that time, heaven is, is singing out, just and true are your ways, O Lord. 
That in light of, in, in the heavenly realm, as they see the Lord and they're seeing him, you know, in his glory and they see everything that's happening and their, their heart is just like, you know what? In, in, in light of just who you are, this makes perfect sense. You know, a lot of us remember way back in the day that, that show, Father Knows Best. How many remember that? You know, Robert Anderson, you know, great guy. And, and he had his goofy little kids and whatnot. But uh, our Father really does know best. He does. He knows what is best for each one of us. And we often sing that song as a body that he's a good, good father. And I want you to consider your situation tonight. I want you to consider whatever it is, wherever you are at tonight in your walk with the Lord. And I want you to remember, I think the first thing the Lord would have us to reflect upon, respond to tonight is that our God is just and true in all of his ways. That he is indeed a good, good father. Let's just bring our hearts tonight before him in that. And let's just, let's just thank him for being that good, good father. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hand, and there his power was hidden. Before him went pestilence, and fever followed at his feet, and he stood and measured the earth, and he looked and startled the nations, and the everlasting mountains were scattered, and the perpetual hills bowed. His ways are everlasting. And I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction, and the curtains of the land of Midian trembled. O oh Lord, were you displeased with the rivers, and was your anger against the rivers? Was your wrath against the sea that you rode on your horses and your chariots of salvation? Your bow was made quite ready, and oaths were sworn over your arrows." Everything in this second stanza is about, it really reveals the glory of God. We noted in verse 3 that he is called the Holy One. It's a phrase that Isaiah the prophet used some 30 times in his book. And here in the second part of verse 3, he tells us that it's his glory that covers the heavens, the glory of God. I remember in Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah the prophet has a vision where he sees the Lord. And it says he sees him sitting upon his throne. He was high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And you think about a, a train, like in a wedding dress. It's that part of the back of it, you know, that covers or that, that kind of goes out. And some trains are small and some trains are big. And it kind of just represents, you know, a, a part of that bride. In essence, this represents, you know, a part of who the Lord is and it's his glory. And it's the idea that his glory, the train of his robe, it says, fills the temple. And the seraphim were there crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, and the whole earth is filled with his glory. And Habakkuk is here expressing that same truth, that God's glory is seen. It's seen in his brightness, 
His presence, he says, like lightning flashing. And we think about, you know, Paul, when he was on the road, when he was Saul of Tarsus, he's going to persecute the church. He's heading down the road to Damascus. And it says he was blinded, knocked off his horse and blinded by a light that was brighter than the sun at noonday. And it was Jesus, the presence of Jesus. And he says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you, Lord? Who are you? And what do you want me to do? Habakkuk sees here his glory in his, in his brightness like light, the glory in his power over creation, over the rivers, the mountains, the sea, all of it subject to him. Remember that time when the disciples were with Jesus and they were in a boat and it was in the midst of a great storm and the waves are crashing, but Jesus was asleep. I've always found that to be, you know, because their boats were like our boats. I mean, they weren't like covered and, you know, I mean, he's like in this boat that's an open boat and waves are crashing and he's just asleep in the midst of the storm. And I I think there's something in that for us to consider because, you know, you might be in in a storm tonight and guess what? Jesus isn't freaking out. He's not like wringing his hands going, I don't know what we're gonna do. Rob's in a mess tonight. I don't know what we're going to do. He's at rest. And because he's at rest, he wants us to be at rest. Remember that other storm when the disciples were in the storm and and it says that Jesus came walking out to them on the water. And I love that because the waves that were crashing over their head were under his feet. uh, Their storm was his sidewalk, you know? He comes cruising out, and, and, and the idea being, and the same thing that Habakkuk's seeing here, that, that it's all subject to you. And remember when, when he was asleep and they woke him up and they said, Lord, don't you care that, that we're going to drown? That's what we do in the midst of our storm, right? God, you don't care about me. All this is happening. And, and it says that he looked at the wind and the waves. He spoke to the wind and the waves and said, be still. And suddenly that sea that was like a storm became a sea of glass. And remember what the disciples said? They looked at one another and they go, who is this? Who is this? That the wind and the waves obey him. And I think the Lord would have us tonight, as Habakkuk here is, he's he's praising God for his sovereignty and his glory over all of creation, over over the whole situation. And I think the Lord would have us praise him for his glory and his power over your situation tonight. No matter what that situation might be, that we would right now just acknowledge his glory, acknowledge that, that he's on the throne, even in the situation that you find yourself in tonight. Amen? And he begins by reemphasizing his power over nature. Notice he says, you divided the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and trembled. The overflowing of water passed by and the deep utters its voice and lifted its hands on high. And it, re- it reminds me of when Jesus was coming in for his triumphal entry. Remember when the religious leaders were like telling the people or telling him like these people shouldn't be crying out Hosanna, Hosanna. Remember what he said? 
If they were silent, even the rocks would cry out. And I don't know about you, but in my heart, I could be wrong on this, but I think that right now creation is stifled because of the fall. But I think there's a day coming when we're going to see creation worship the king, you know, that they're going to break out. I don't know what it's going to look like, but, but this is sort of what he's speaking of here. The mountains saw you and trembled like there was a, a reaction, if you would. Um, the deep utters its voice and lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their habitation. Maybe a reference to when the sun and moon stood still in Joshua in the battle there, the longest day. And at the light of your arrows, they went at the shining of your glittering spear. You marched through the land in indignation. You trampled the nations in anger. And so now he's moving here to talk about his glory and power over the nations. You went forth for the salvation of your people, for salvation with your anointed, and you struck the head from the house of the wicked by laying bare from foundation to the neck, Selah. And here we is what, what he's saying is not only your power, your glory, your sovereignty seen over creation, but also over the nations. Nations like Babylon and Egypt that seem so powerful. And Habakkuk is worshiping God for his power over the enemy. And he, Habakkuk remembers how God has saved in the past. And that's important to re- remember and realize. He's remembering here how God has saved in, in the past. And it makes him full of faith for what God can do right now as well as what God can do in the future. Remember Jesus' words when he said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Remember what Paul the Apostle said in Romans chapter 8 when he declared that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I want you to think back right now to God's past faithfulness in your life. I want you to think back to how he saved you from destruction. One of the sisters over here was praying earlier about just our need to have that burden for the lost and remember what, what we have been saved from. I want you to think about that. What God pulled you out of. Maybe some of you, he saved you from the pit. Maybe some of you, he saved you out of the pit. Or the time maybe when he provided when it just looked hopeless. God came through. We need to remember tonight, church, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We need to remember his past faithfulness in our lives as a reminder to us that he'll be faithful now. No matter what the storm, no matter what the situation, your God is faithful. He's faithful. Let's respond to that to rejoicing, to then resting, and then finally relying upon the Lord. We'll pick it up in verse 14. It says, you thrust through with his own arrows, the head of his villages. They came out like a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was like feasting on the poor in secret. You walk through the sea with your horses, through the heap of great waters. Probably a a note here of when he took Israel through the Red Sea. 
When I heard my body trembled, my lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. And the idea here is in just seeing God's glory and his power and his greatness, the response was is, man, even though there's trouble, I can rest. Because, Lord, I know you've got this. When he comes up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. And here's where it all comes to a head. And I think this is, is very... Um, just connects well with what Mike just shared. And everything is moving toward this moment in verse 17 when he says this. Because remember, the Babylonians are coming. There's going to be judgment. It's going to be harsh. It says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vine, though the labor of the olive tree may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And here's why. Because the Lord God is my strength, and he will make me my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on, on high hills. And, and that's how he ends this final stanzas that he's basically saying look things might get worse there might be shortages of food and flocks and tough times are are in our future it's he knows it's going to be part of God's judgment but he says I will rejoice and I will joy in the God of my salvation why because he says the Lord is my strength and I know he's going to uphold me My strength is not in what this world has to offer, he's saying. My strength is in the Lord. And many of us have experienced what Paul declared, that his grace being sufficient for us and his power being made perfect in our time of weakness. That our God, as Mike just shared with us, will supply all of our needs. And so Habakkuk comes to this place where he says, I'm going to joy in my salvation. I'm going to rejoice in my God. I'm going to rely upon him. And if you've ever, you know, been in a place and maybe you're there tonight where you're like thinking, well, I just don't know, you know, if he, I hear people praying about his love. I just don't know if he loves me. There's one answer to that. And it's the cross. Because Paul, the apostle wrote in Romans chapter eight, In verse 31, he says, what shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And here's how we can know that he's for us. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also give give us all things? Here's what Paul's saying. Here's what God's saying. Look, you know how you can know that I love you, that I'm for you? I gave you my best. I gave you my son. I went to great lengths to sacrifice to make you mine. Do you think I'm going to leave you hanging now, my paraphrase? But what he's saying. He continues, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? 
It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore also is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Let that encourage your heart tonight. What's Jesus doing right now? He's praying for you. He's interceding for you. His heart is towards you. And then Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Or distress? No. Or persecution? No. Or famine? No. Or nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? He says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's the key. Not more than conquerors in ourselves, but more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then he ends with, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Glory, hallelujah, amen. So the Lord wants us tonight to rest in his faithfulness, to rejoice in his power, and to rely upon his strength in whatever the situation that he puts before us. As we enter into this just final response time, we want to just glory in the cross Glory in the love of God that is seen so clearly in the cross of Christ. And and during this time, we're going to just open it up for the communion tables are in the back. I'm going to ask our pastors and, and our elders who are here tonight to go and just stand back by the tables. And if you need prayer for something, maybe that word was for you that Mike shared and you just want prayer, go grab one of these guys or a couple of them and just say, hey, pray, pray for me. Um, whatever you might be going through. Maybe you have a physical ailment that you're going through right now. Um, Let them anoint you with oil tonight and lay hands on you and pray for you like the Bible says. And we're going to just spend the next, you know, 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes maybe, and just, just, again, responding and glorying in the cross and just bringing our hearts to that place of resting, rejoicing, and relying in our great God. Amen?